you could go back and think about all the studying that you've done about anatomy, physiology, physics, biomechanics, nutrition, uh, facility layout, the best tools to purchase, equipment that really sparks you know, people's excitement for movement, and you tally all that up. And then I want you to tally up how much time you've spent into understanding personalities, how to communicate the best message to the vast amount of audiences that will receive it and hear it, and how each one can dynamically understand and learn on their own time, in their own ways. And compare those two, right? Hard skills versus soft skills. I would venture, unfortunately, that your hard skills far outweigh your soft skills. And most of us, including myself in the past, have traded on our personality, traded on that we're just an outgoing, bubbly type of person, and we'd be great in the fitness world. And here we are, rocking and rolling, and hoping that our soft skills and our coaching atmosphere, environment, dynamic leadership is enough for our own clients and to grow our business. So my name is Michael Hughes, co-founder of Gymnazo EDU, and I'm with Peyton Hughes, my wife, business partner, and fellow soft skill enthusiast who really love to deep dive into how personality types, how leadership and how corporate America has spent so much time on refining managers to lead businesses in a profound way, and how that should, in our mind, be trickled into the fitness world in the same depth that is it is everywhere else. So get ready to dive in, because we're super excited about this. And it is this topic that we feel um, should well, deserve a podcast. So here we go. Welcome to the Gymnazo Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business to how to program for maximum results to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. All right, for those of you that have been maybe under a rock or just not following Apple TV+, Plus, Peyton and I have been diving into, or actually fully dove into and are done thinking about rewatching again, Ted Lasso. <laughs> and it's this amazing show of this coach who um, gets ripped out of his current environment into a brand new environment. And I'm going to have Peyton describe the show because she really gets into the show like all the time throughout the entire day, or I'm just in the show in the moment. So... <laughs> Uh, Who is Ted Lasso? What is this show? Yeah, you're a better compartmentalizer than I am. I like empath to the core and like feel all the feelings for the characters and obsess about how I'm going to predict how the show unfolds. So that's what's really going on there. But Ted Lasso is this really disarming story that you just think is going to be comedy from day one. And it is. I mean, he, it's really funny. But it's this American uh, football coach, D2 football coach, who has 
had unprecedented success in America and gets plucked out of his American coaching and thrown into England into a premier football club. Now, having been someone that has lived in England and also a former soccer player, it cracks me up to see this total culture clash that goes on, which is these super snarky, kind of embittered like English players, and they're pissed because there's this Yahoo of an American character that shows up with this Southern drawl, these horrible jokes, which are really actually kind of funny, but if you like the dad joke genre, and then he comes in and like wins people over systematically with zero knowledge of soccer, zero like credibility in the industry, but he's just really good with people. And that's his shtick. That's what he's really excellent at. And it kind of takes you like three episodes to realize, oh my gosh, the guy's actually good. People just don't see him coming. Yeah, not good at soccer or premier football, but really good at emotional quotient or emotional intelligence. Yeah. And that's that's how he coaches. Like He he knows how to build a team. That's what he does. Disarm high level kind of type A people, make him drive in. And it's honestly, it's, I think it's, impeccably amazing writing of whoever wrote this and how they take, I don't know, real life scenarios in the way I think about it and ties in this, as you said, disarming, approachable, we're going to work together. If the team doesn't work together, then we're never going to win. In fact, he even goes to the point, slight spoiler alert, that (laughs) the team camaraderie is more important than winning. And obviously that is battled to a point in, in the show. But what brings up this big topic and something that we've been talking a lot about is how much in the movement training space, you know, trainers, personal trainers, coaches, you know, anything from any sport, what's the most important and kind of most overlooked aspect of coaching? If you're a professional sport mm-hmm. uh, coach, you know, if you're, you know, uh, all the way to us as a, as, as a training staff, is it your IQ? Is it what is the battleground of Instagram and what movements are good and should you train in the transverse plane and what's your ankle doing and subtalar eversion and all these different, right? That's a huge battleground in, in Instagram, the visual of, mm-hmm. uh, of it all. But what Instagram or anything doesn't really pick up is how you display that information yeah. to the clientele in front of you, to the athletes yeah. in front of you. And that's what we're really going to be diving into today because it is yeah. massive. It's a huge, it's a huge miss. And so I remember early on, you and I were chatting like early on, I want to say 10 years ago, we were talking about leadership and we were talking about the skill sets of a good coach. Mm. And I just kind of want to dive into that for a minute, which is like having my background being more in marketing and more corporate and a lot of startup culture, but but with the corporate desire to be skilled and to build skills. And the first thing that most of us do, so I'm t- gonna talk outside of fitness because I think fitness is super unique, but could learn a few things from this, which is as soon as you become a manager, and how I'm defining manager is somebody that um, has to get a group of people to do something, has the and, and is tasked with motivating and inspiring them to want to do something as well as critiquing, correcting, and refining how they do it. And when you're tasked with that, 
It doesn't matter if you're a good person, a fun person, an energizing human, if you're a jokester, if you're super fun on the floor, like whatever your style is, like doesn't matter what you come to the table. Every single other industry takes leadership really seriously. And if they don't have a corporate training structure in place, like as the new manager, you're going to go invest in your skills. You're going to watch YouTube channels on it. You're going to try to level up. You're interested in an executive coach because you know your career hinges on you understanding and mastering leadership and management. And it's powerful and it's super absent in fitness. And what I see is every, mm. so often trainers are, you know, take me or leave me. You either like me or you hate me. And just trading on this personality, most of whom are really energizing people, people. Like they already come to the table with this great energy, but they never evolve it from there. They never strategically hone. They never like p decide like this is, and, and like even be open to criticism. Like where are their gaps? Um, yeah, they might naturally connect with one style, but is that the limit of their abilities? And most of the time that is like most people show up with their great personality and only connect to other people with similar great personalities. And in doing so, leave out 75% of the capabilities that they could otherwise have. Mm, that's an interesting statistic that we'll certainly dive into more. Mm -hmm. But it makes me get back to because I grew up in the, in, in the 90s, right? And the Chicago Bulls, that was it. I mean, yeah. Michael Jordan. Even I was a fan. Dennis Rodman, <laughs> Scottie Pippen, right? These um, huge personalities. I mean, especially Rodman and... Jordan. Yeah. Um, and how did, how did, how did, how did that coach, right? How did Phil bring them together to win championship after championship? How, I mean, to me, that's what I think, but did he teach them basketball? Did he make them better basketball players? I don't really think so. I really don't. It was about managing the dynamic of that mm -hmm. team so they can skill themselves together to be an, an un, unstoppable obviously force. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, again, I look back to the coaching side and I look about how we did it at Gymnazo and it started very purposefully, even though I didn't understand it. It was a mm -hmm. mentor of mine really diving in, came and coming from the corporate world mm -hmm. of NBC, uh, John Secunda, amazing, amazing man. And understanding like you have to talk to people. And he, he, he said that to me, like, how do you present yourself? How well do you know yourself? I think that's where it all starts. Yeah. Do you it just is. do you just do it? And a lot of people just do it. And I thought that was that was interesting. And uh, a small little you know side little thing here, but Peyton and I's kind of first dates in a sense or business dates, but it was definitely a business date. You know, so I felt very comfortable being this story in a sense. But I I said here <laughs> here I'm I on paper, and it was my strength finders, and many more things. But it was a strength mm -hmm. finders like this is who I am. I am. I'm strong in belief, I'm strong in relator, I like a lot of input, I'm a learner, and I command. Like, those are my top five. And she, it was very much like <laughs> a huge awakening for me as a movement practitioner because yeah. I knew where my strengths were, mm -hmm. and I could say them. Mm -hmm. And so I said, oh, this is me being an input. This is me collecting all this information. Mm -hmm. Well, this is where my command is showing up. Oh, so it's like if you can untap and reverse engineer mm -hmm. a product, how well do you know it? How well can you tap into its weak points and its strong points? And I think that's what really was a huge um, growth factor for our business is the soft skills. And I'm going to say it. It's a soft, untangibles, 
EQ, how you make a room smile, shine, come together. Because yeah. guess what, trainers out there, you are a leader, you are a professional coach, mm-hmm. and people look up to you mm-hmm. every single hour, half hour, session, da-da-da-da-da. And if you can't capture that, doesn't mean you're a bad trainer, but you're leaving a lot on the table. Yeah, you're missing out on what's possible for you. And that's the culture. Like, we have a lot of culture, right? You know, a lot of... A lot yeah. of a lot of uh, people drinking the Kool-Aid, CrossFits, mm-hmm. you know, the Orange Theories, you know, the Soul Cycles. A lot of, but what to, what made that? Did mm-hmm. it just happen organically? Mm, maybe, but could it be happen a lot faster? And I yeah. think that's well, that's what we want to dive into a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, so from the corporate side, you know, if you're a manager, you express things. Pin, um, I want you to kind of think like, what are the skill sets that you either noticed that we had in you know before you when you came, came on board or things that you brought that you and now see our, our coaches do? So the biggest, uh, so, so the biggest truth is to me, people hire coaches, not coaching programs. And we say that a lot. If you hang out with us on YouTube or in this podcast, um, because it's really anchoring and validating. If you realize as a trainer, like they're going to buy you, Um, yeah, it'd be nice if you had some smart workouts behind you. Yeah. It'd be super cool if you were like a movement guru that could tweak on the fly and like validate or help people navigate through dysfunctions, aches, pains, tightness, et cetera. But ultimately why they come back is because of you. And that's the truth in corporate America is, is that, um, more people are likely to leave when they leave an organization. It's about their manager. If they have a powerful manager that they're loyal to, they will stay. So retention of employee to manager is about the relationship of the manager. Well, you apply that to fitness. That's the coach being the manager and the athletes being the employees, if you will. Mm. And I know it's kind of a stretch. We don't normally think of it like that, but the loyalty is to that coach. Now we have business strategies on where that can be risky for your business to like have all your eggs in one basket with like this one coach dominating the scene. But the truth is when you really unpack the skill set of each coach individually, which I think you did a really good job when I first um, like came into the gymnasium scene, it was you and Trevor and you and Trevor had both gone through this one-on-one coaching program with John. That's really unique to begin with. Like you guys had already individually I think, I don't think you made Trevor do it. I think Trevor watched you do it and was like, sign me up. Mm-hmm. I want this man speaking into my life. I want him helping me own and identify where I have a unique skill set. And so you had already validated that he doesn't have to be you to be a coach in your business. And I think that's really powerful because a lot of trainers miss that and kind of feel the stress and anxiety that if they don't say it like you say it, how you say it, and are like you to their clients, the clients won't accept a new coach. And that's just not true. Mm, That's a fallacy. and It's actually a fault of a business that you have to replicate yourself because it's impossible. Yeah, it take it the, take the pressure off of you for doing that, and also give your uh, future coaches the opportunity to be really powerful in their own right. And so for me, that was really cool. You already had that. What was what was seemed to be a really cool opportunity was that how you guys quickly identify and type communication styles of your clients and how you shift, how you describe workouts, how you motivate, how you correct, like all the little pieces. Um, 
and, and the mantra is don't treat people the way you want to be treated, which is the number one issue in training. In my opinion is trainers go, that's just how I am. And I'm going to talk to you the way I want to be talked. I'm going to coach you the way I want to be coached. Subconsciously, more often than not, like that's just who I am. So. Yeah, it's just who I am. Except me, I'm super authentic. Like I'm who I am, and there's this whole authentic movement. And I'm not gonna speak ill of that, but you're missing out on the real platinum rule, as they call it, which is treat people the way they want to be treated. And if you have a heart of service, you know that reaching that heart in front of you. So it's like your heart reaching their heart. Sorry to get all like. Go for it fluffy and and heartwarming here, but, um, but if that's your goal, it's like, you've got a fire in your heart and you're trying to light it in somebody else. They may not be lit the way you do like for you. So you need to figure out what do I do to inspire this person? What do I do to bring a smile to their face? And guess what? It's going to be different for that person than the other three buddies that you naturally clicked with. As soon as they walked in the gym, you're like, those are my, that's like my tribe. Mm -hmm. And you go there and sense it. You can sense it. You can feel it. Like you don't even know you're lighting up in a different way. Now everyone thinks you're playing favorites because you just found people that get you. They laugh at your jokes. They compliment your music. They wear the same style. Like you just kind of gravitate towards your tribe, but you can't do that as a professional. And if you're really coming from a place of service, you're, you, you never want to compromise your authenticity as a coach. And that's where I think individually strengthening your core sense of self and who you are as a coach is really powerful, but you need to build a bridge of communication to reach the hearts of the, of people that aren't necessarily like you. Mm -hmm. And we've broken it down. We have a lot of different tools. I really want to say it like that. I wish I invented these things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. But it's really just tools that we have accessible. Mm-hmm. And a lot of books. And yes. um, I was just, just chatting with a fellow MGMC and like just the books that are, are in our course and she's like understanding them. And I'm going to share a few of them with you because yeah. they're just great, great books. Uh, mindset is a, is, a, is a great starting point. Growth mindset or fixed mindset. Like are you, are you already set up? So it's called Mindset by Carol Dweck. Thank you very much. She's a Stanford PhD who figured out there's a fixed mindset that keeps you back from your potential and growth mindset that propels you into a very vibrant future that you can create. Yeah, and all of us are predisposed to one or the other. Yeah. Simply put. And uh, the other one, um, are you ready for this one? If you're listening to this one, write this one down. How to win friends and influence people. Yep. Dale, Such a classic. Uh, Dale Carnegie. It's an old school book, but it is like the test. It is it has st- stood the test of time. You, I thought even, you were going to say it's like the Tesla books. Oh, <laughs> Do you I, don't know this about my good it obsessed? Could, it could be the Tesla books. <laughs> <laughs> it, at least it was the first one that you really anchored in before I even joined Jim Mazzo. That one is Strength Finders. Those were your two. Right. And it's really about this human relations. Like, that's what we are. Like, again, I'm going to say this. Like, you can be the smartest person in the world. You can be that amazing mm-hmm. professor. But if you can't communicate what yeah. you're doing, it really, it's, it's pointless. It's, I'm going to say it that boldly. It's, yeah. It misses the mark, and that's hard to hear. And if you're a trainer out there who really kind of wants it, like, I have so much to share, how do you share it? Mm-hmm. And it kind of you know, goes into even our whole philosophy as a facility and something we've worked on a lot, a lot. It's not just the culture. The culture is the, is the equals part of the equation. It's what happens from all the exponents, mm-hmm. if I'm saying that an analogy in the I way that know, people can I super smart. Oh, cool. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> 
just roll with it. But you know, that's that's how that's the end result of everything. But you know, how we how we coach someone into a brand new first time session. Mm-hmm. And what we, you know, we put ourselves in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we look at, at personality types in a very simplistic way that there's four different types. You know, Myers-Briggs, you got six, 16 types, Enneagram, you have nine types in a sense, right? There's mm-hmm. other ways to kind of classify it. Well, you know, we, let's break down the most simplest way so we can make a quick decision. And to really talk to that athlete in a way that you understand and you can pick up from in 30 seconds that they're not like you. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. In fact, that's great for your business because you want people that are not like you. And to coach them and to to give that first exercise in a way that they hear it, not just like, okay, let's do a deadlift and it's going to make your legs look awesome. They can care less about your yeah, legs. Yeah, they're not they, there for their legs. They you want to know the opportunity. Yeah, they want to know how their knees are supposed to be and what it should feel like. And this other person wants to know like how it's going to make them talk, uh, move with their grandchildren better. And that's mm-hmm. how that's how they're perceiving it. And so to, to speak to that is is huge. I want you to kind of dive into that a little bit. But, you know, maybe you can give yeah. it all away or not. I'll, I'll no, let you it's, it's make good. that decision, but. If you're still listening to this episode, um, we're going to get some gold right now. And so here's the thing. Um, So there's a lot of research out there since the start of Carl Jung's um, research, actually back in the 1800s, late 1800s. And he really realized that you could start predicting um, behaviors based on some of these personalities. And that's really where personality psychology really evolved from that point on. And then they started to realize, like with the Meyer Briggs mother daughter combination, that um, job fit is predictable. Hmm. So certain people are going to enjoy a desk job, if you will, doing accounting because they're oriented in that way. That's going to be successful for them. Other people would rather die, and they would rather be in front of in front of live humans, leading, inspiring, and connecting, and like that's their thing. Whereas like different types would go, oh my gosh, that's my worst fear. And so they started going, wow, this is really great. Like, I wonder if we could start using this as a business tool. And so from there we progressed into, you know, it's, there's personality, which we know half of us is fixed from birth. Like it's, it's inherent, if you will. And the other half of us is evolving through life experience, community, like education, uh, crazy life events that just like change everything. Like you almost get in a car crash and like your life flashed before your eyes and like you show up and you start evolving into a whole different type of person. And so, but, but we know that that communication style is inherent and people are born like wild personalities, super like connectors, connectors with other people and all these different things. And so we know that that's possible. And so just as you know that there's four different communication types, there's decision makers, there's encouragers, there's trackers, and there's facilitators. Um, and those type of people, some are introverted, some are extroverted, some are, um, some are big picture thinkers, some are realistic, kind of in the in the moment. But the point is like you can figure out who these people are with things like tone of voice, rate of speech, how detailed they are, how serious they look. And sometimes we call that resting bitch face. Like if they just look mean and pissed, that actually clues you into a communication style. <laughs> and they don't know that they're looking this like nasty at you. They think that they're just a serious person and they come in and you're like, geez, if you're a real extroverted, happy-go-lucky type of person, you're sitting there going, 
oh my gosh, I don't understand what's happening here. This person hates me. No, they don't. They just have a different communication style than you. They're just more stoic. They're just more, more factual, which tells you don't relate to them through emotion. Relate to them through facts. Relate to them through um, data, and they'll love you. So like that's an example. And so a lot of times what we see is super extroverted coaches that are like what we call encouragers typically, which is where they're really into people, they're really into connection, they're really into fun and playful, and they have to relate to types of people that don't care at all about how they feel in the workout. They want to know that they crushed their workout metrics-wise. They want to know that their form was perfect. So they don't want to be motivated by having a fun time. They probably could care less if there's even music on. They just want to crush the workout. And if you misread that, you miss an opportunity to connect. So that's just one example. Hmm. So four different types. You're one, just like you have yes. a, your right-handed or left-handed for the vast majority of us. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Right, but that doesn't mean that you cannot use your other hand to write a name or to do other things. It's just, yeah. it's just harder to yeah. do so. And when we're in autopilot or under stress, we divert back to the primary way in which we communicate. Mm -hmm. So even if somebody has in emotional intelligence and they know how to pretend to be playful for the cause of the social interaction, when they're stressed out, when you've corrected them, when you're not delivering for them what they want in the workout, they go back to what they know, which is going to be that default state where they're looking pissed again. And you're like, oh gosh, there's the face again. Like they must hate me. And if you can just build some tools and awareness around what's really going on, you can, it'll kind of run off your back like water off a duck. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want. Right. And and that's kind of from the def defensive side. From the yeah. offensive side, you get to be able to tone in mm -hmm. a little bit more. Uh, tune in, excuse me, and change your tone is what I want to say. <laughs> change your tone towards that particular person. And I'm yeah. going to give a, a, an example of what we do um, exclusively is that certain members, certain athletes want to hear their name mm -hmm. said. Like they're like, yeah, like, you know, like, Peyton, you're crushing it from like across the facility amps you up, makes you work, work harder. But there's another type who actually that would do the opposite. It would mm -hmm. actually, it would actually make their workout less enjoyable because yeah. they don't want that. Well, they social anxiety. Yeah. They don't want that attention. Yeah. They love the workout, but they would love it if you walked up next to them and said, Hey, Baden, you're crushing it. Mm -hmm. Only you can hear that. That amps them up. And if you like, I hope that is like a big brain explosion for a, a bunch of people because that is huge. And we even had, we even had members want to leave mm -hmm. because we didn't understand that yet. Mm -hmm. And like, why'd they give us a bad rating? Yeah. Because they were, they were felt picked on. They felt picked on by our, like our, our most outrageous, awesome coach. And this client left in tears. Yeah. Right. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And then we try to dig into like, what, what did we get wrong? Because we're like so receptive to feedback. Like, Hey, if we, we don't mind getting things wrong, we just never want to do it again. Right. If we can avoid the second, third repeat offenses, like we'll avoid those. But for now, so, so yeah, I remember then that client was in tears and we went and talked and we really understood and unpacked it. And it was like, they felt called out. I like picked on and all we knew all that coach was doing 
was rocking his dynamic personality and coaching her the way they wanted to be coached. Tell me what uh, our coach did. Like, what would they do about it? Yeah, so our takeaways from that conversation was really illuminating. It was like, okay, this pretty much, let's just call it introvert, like a total soft-hearted, introverted Mm -hmm. client or athlete, as we like to say, which we'll dig into a little bit here in a minute. Um, She wanted to feel like special, one-on-one, like come alongside next to her, almost not whisper in a creepy way, because I feel like if a coach (laughs) comes up behind a client and starts whispering, this is going to backfire on us. Hello. Yeah, (laughs) like cringy. So not that, but if you (laughs) just kind of like stand next to like you're a friend and just go like, hey, so-and-so, like I love what I see you doing. Like, thank you for making time for yourself. Like you're crushing it. That would go so much farther than, yeah, Kristen, you're killing it, you know, or whatever their names were, um, yelling across and, and, and making everyone want to look at that person and be like, why, why, why is she crushing it so much? And that's like her worst nightmare. So just really treating people the way they want to be treated. And this is where empathy and putting yourself into someone else's shoes, even if you've never been in those shoes, but just imagining what it would be like to feel that like uninspired by attention. Like they just don't want attention. And for most coaches, you're good with attention Mm -hmm. because you're in that space. Like you're stepping up as the leader of that group. Well, here's another thing, another thing to think about as we've run our our internship over the last decade Mm -hmm. is that if we have an intern who's a great coach Mm -hmm. on it, detailed, has the knowledge, Mm -hmm. has the, has the EQ really, but the EQ in an environment that is controlled the lights, you know, aren't yeah. on them because it's an internship. It's it's a staged environment. But then we start putting them into our one of our drills, and I love one of these one of these drills. We literally are in our you know thirteen thousand square foot facility, and one of our drills is yell the ABCs as loud as you can. And all the only people that are around are the coaching staff and the other in- interns. And it's amazing to see how certain interns respond. Yeah. And some people just go right for it, belt it out. And others, like, you see their face. Yeah, they're like, you mother. Yeah, <laughs> like, no way. And that, again, not good or bad, but it really kind of points the story. And there's one particular intern who I, I really want to just again, pull out of the story. She came out and says, I'm going to be a great one-on-one coach. At least that's where I want to go now. Mm-hmm. And the group, is, I just don't feel it. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is I, I feel strongly she built her skill set to go into mm-hmm. group, but she did it on her time and her path versus saying, hey, you can, we're, we're hiring for a group coach and that's it. Yeah. And it was really, but it was, you know, long story short, she identified that, that strength in her mm-hmm. and that's where she went. And I thought that was great. Yeah. And so as a coach, if you're like, I am, I am more of an introvert, good. Then yeah. don't start, don't keep busting your butt trying to make this amazing over-the-top group training. Maybe you just don't have one or two a day Well, and that's versus a real... all day long. Yeah. Yeah, so, so let's, let me clarify a few things if you're listening. We have learned over time that there are certain personalities for coaching that where they are naturally thriving in a group social environment quicker. It doesn't mean long-term they're better, just initially they're strong and they have an assuredness around their skill set. 
But we've found that you can actually hire any personality type mm -hmm. to be a successful group coach. But the amount of effort and the amount of shifting that it's requiring does vary. Right. So I just want to say that because... The longevity burnout. Yeah, I wouldn't right. want someone to listen to this and be like, oh, you can only be like a playful extrovert, Labrador puppy style person. No way. Like that's not, that's not what we found. We have found that those people are very hit the ground running and accelerate with focus, they still need focus. And that's what we're talking about today is if that's, if you feel like you're a natural fit, you probably are. And you can probably skate on that for a while, but building a long-term business, building and attracting people to help work it with you, like you're going to just need a lot more training and skill building around it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would say. Um, the other thing that you commented on it a few seconds ago, that's really powerful, which is that particular intern that self-identified through the internship process that she felt more suited right away in building a business in a one-on-one -on -one more private context because she felt like she shone in that environment. That's really affirming. And like, it, that's it a is. successful moment to say, I see me shining in this context because when you identify an anchor into your sweet spot, you go all in on that sweet spot and you build and grow around where you're naturally good. That's what it is. Like you come to the table with a natural raw skill set, you can grow, blossom and direct it in a lot of ways, but you want to come home mm -hmm. because where, when you're home in your skill set, you create energy. And when you follow and build and like navigate your career around what drives and brings good energy into your life, you will have a happier career. And this is me putting my like consultant hat back on and like executive coach um, headset on because it's just, I see people trying so hard to fit themselves as a square peg into a round hole and it's miserable. And when you do that, and you're trying to get a business off the ground, even if you're a solopreneur or a one a trainer, just trying to build up clientele, and you're trying to build it up around a skill set that you think is is the smart skill set to build or the high leverage skill set because you want money and freedom, but it doesn't give you life. Mm -hmm. That's not a good long term move. And all of this is about long term gains. Right. So uh, another kind of case study. I'm gonna use me. Because okay. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm unique in a few sets, and I'm not trying to toot a horn here in a sense, but like my personality type and how I communicate is I'm strong on three of them, but I'm really poor on one of them. And the one I'm really poor on, <laughs> my, my business strongest. partner in business is her strongest, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but when I'm in my best is mm -hmm. that I have a session that's group in the morning time. Bring the energy, go for it. And then I convert into like a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, mm -hmm. reverse engineering a, a movement dysfunction and then go to like a semi-private, which is more technical chatter. It's not like high energy. And then maybe end the day, you know, with another one-on-one. -on -one. Like, like I love all three. You love the variety. And I go home and I'm like, how's your day? It's like, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. I loved it. And it's really powerful to me to do, like I can do that day in and day out. Yeah. And that's really cool. I'm going to throw in a third mix because I'm an owner kind of operator in a sense, but like also like, oh, I also did a bunch of like equipment, you know, um, inventory and yeah. purchase and understand like where some stuff should go in the facility for flow. You know, you know, so that's kind of more the detail side of things. And that's, so 
I want you to find that. It energizes you. It, it, it actually, yeah, it feeds it yeah. versus, again, we've had some coaches that like, they're like, I'm, I'm going to do four group sessions in a row. Yeah. Like that'll kill me. Yeah. That'll, just, that'll wipe me out. I need to recover for three hours on yeah, the couch. Over the top. <laughs> so again, understanding and having that confidence. That's why I brought up strength finders. Like I knew what my yeah. strengths are. And if you do, and if you're, if you're a coach working for an organization, if they know what it is. Yeah. It, that's it. Burnout is a huge part of this of this industry, and hence it's why it's kind of a hobby. Just like I, I used to be a trainer. Yeah, because and, you couldn't make it work. Yeah, and maybe it was the EQ of the entire business plan that made it not work. Not yeah. your skill set. Not your intelligence. Not your um, ability to kind of put together programming. Just I, you just every day you're like, why am I doing this? So I got to bring up the rubber band analogy. And so I'm. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see my little rubber band right here. Um, and the idea is like all of us have these proclivities or this natural bias towards a style. So for example, if we just use training as an example, for a lot of people who get energy from other people and get like it becomes this like um, generator of energy, like just the giving and receiving of energy and it creates like this fireball of fun for you, like you could probably knock out more group training than somebody that's a little bit more technical, not technical in this intelligent side, but more detailed and process and really wants to problem solve it and really focus in on something. And so it's like your skills are a rubber band and you can flex into a skill set that's not primary for you. And you can do that, but you can't sustain it. Otherwise, you're either going to get, um, you're going to eventually get so stressed in that and not be able to sustain it that it snaps and you just can't do it anymore and you burn out. And we see burnout happening a lot. And burnout can happen because you are a trainer who just wants to train people and you hate running your business. And every time you sit down and have to run your business, it zaps and sucks all the life out of you and you're miserable going, is this even what I want to do? Well, yes, it is. Training is what you really want to do. That's what lights your heart on fire. This business stuff is stressing you out. And that's so often what we see in our industry is that the practitioners, the coaches want to motivate, correct, inspire, and, and get results for their clients. Like that's what they're here for. And somewhere along the line, they have to shift into business mode and then the bigger and more successful they're business gets, the more coaches they add to it, the more they're, they have to phase themselves out as a coach, which was the very thing that gave them a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And that's where in our example, I could come alongside and do that piece because that lights me up and you could be set free to coach. And that's been part of what it's, what's worked for us. Yeah. And also as just to be transparent, I'm coaching the least I've ever coached in my entire career and yeah. I'm actually having just as much fun. I know you've had to reconcile your guilt around yeah, that. That's very big deal. <laughs> very big deal. Uh, you definitely have the whole, like, if I can do it, I should do it. Yeah. And we've really had to work on like shifting that. Mm -hmm. But again, back to the EQ again is I want to talk about like correcting people and motivating yeah. people and you know, step in, 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 into that piece. Cause that's where coaching is truly coaching. That's what Ted Lasso did so well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for bringing it full circle. <laughs> You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's managing the group of athletes in front of you, the team. You know, we always say, all right, team, let's get ready to rock and roll for this warm-up. Mm -hmm. That's what you're really doing. You're bringing a bunch of very, very fun, spirited people into one environment. And we ask a question of the day, you know, for the most part, or at least a conversation starter of the day. And you're going to get some answers that you didn't expect. Especially around, well, especially around the pandemic, especially around election times, especially around holidays mm -hmm. and family. And those happen about once a month. 
<laughs> you really throw those all together mm-hmm. and you have to manage that. Yeah, you have to sidestep the polarizing comment that could really change the yeah. dynamic. Or absorb it. Yeah. And completely take it front on and keep moving. Mm-hmm. And do that because you want to create community and foster mm-hmm. that. You know, we, Who wants to walk into a facility and be like, okay, we're working out. Here's the drills. Let's go for it. Let's put on some Mozart and let's just go. Mozart. <laughs> Certainly inspiring. Or- yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We have a brother-in-law who would be very inspired by that workout routine <laughs> playlist. Playlist, definitely, but not this type. You know, like, it's an, it's an, it's, it, it's a rock concert, right? A yeah. workout should be, in a sense, more like that, in a sense. Yeah. So you have to, you have to foster that communication. And when someone brings in a polarizing comment, mm-hmm. it's your job, coach. You're the coach. You're the leader. How are you going to do it? How are you going to not offend somebody? And yeah. how are you going to turn that situation and let that person who made a polarizing comment, which may not be a bad comment, and have that be, okay, thanks for your comment. Yeah, or but you might actually it... agree with the comment, That's but true. you're watching six people's face just turn, and you're picking up on their energy, and they just shifted down hard. And you're like, oh, your ultimate goal is not to create connection individually with people. It's to create the alchemy of the group. Mm-hmm. Like, you're trying to curate the full experience, and you have to be loyal to that first over your personal right. opinions. And not to be freaked out when it happens, to yeah. but anticipate it yeah. every single day. And again, as a coach, like we have that confidence. I think that's a real big piece of it, you know, and to, to have a confidence to do a backflip off a diving board. Yeah. Same kind of move. That's from a movement side of things. Well, how do you have that confidence when it's literally election time and you do your very best because you know that one athlete's coming in. Wearing their shirt wearing or their, sh- their red hat yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah, or their and blue sticker on yeah, their water bottle. You know, just go for it, right? Yeah. And you, and that's, and, and so well, I'm proud to say that we've, during the election time, guess what wasn't talked about? The election. The election. And yeah. it was like totally understood. But what's, what do we tell our coaches? What are the topics that they should avoid at all costs. Uh, well, manage at all costs, right? Avoid, yeah, Avoid I totally get you. Yeah. as long as they can control right. it, sidestep artfully, right. and refocus on a very neutral topic as soon as they're brought up. Right, and we kind of all will probably know what we're going to say here because yeah. it's the same thing that happens at Thanksgiving dinners. Yep. It's, it's religion, it's politics, and the third one is a little bit more kind of... It's religion and politics for the most part. But then it goes into like personal preferences around, Mm. I don't want to say religion and politics, but like personal preferences that are like unwavering. Oh yeah, like a rigid belief. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, not necessarily. If you say, what's the one car for the rest of your life you would ever drive? And like for you, that's like a very strong stance. For others, they'd be like, I really don't care. Right, but we're talking about like, you know, philosophies in a sense. Because we've Mm -hmm. had this question of the day, just let you all know, we've gone deep (laughs) into it. (laughs) And we're talking, you know, we're talking Plato at times. And we're like, some people are like, what are you talking about? You know, that's kind of like, it, when people, well, when people it's, it's when the question of the day gets to one person. It yeah. doesn't include everyone else. Well, and here's uh, something that just came up for me, which was we've had in two instances, members lose a significant other, mm-hmm. husband, sister, brother. Oh, that's right. That's another like kind of a wife. fourth piece. Yeah. And so they're coming in and they're stepping in to escape mm-hmm. reality for a minute because it's painful. And if you are the kind of coach like the we want to groom and create around us, we know that. Mm -hmm. And when we know that, when they step on the floor, 
that question of the day actually doesn't happen mm-hmm. because that all that will do is create this social anxiety in this person who's coming here to turn their brain off mm-hmm. and they're not coming here to connect. And as weird as it sounds, like there's times where we might actually just allow the coach to just monologue for a minute, tell a funny story and maybe say, guys, today we're going to coach through the warm up a little bit more. I'd like you to go into your body and pay attention. And they're doing it because that person walked in and they will lose it and start crying if they even have to answer anything personal. How's your weekend? Yeah. That's, that's the question. How's your weekend? Well, yeah. I'll tell you how my, how like my weekend That's was. a pit in your stomach. Right. And when you know someone's walking in with that, you you don't even want to go there. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite popsicle flavor? That might just bring up this memory of them sitting I down know. next to their sister so and true. like enjoying summer popsicles. And now they want to cry because that sister's not here anymore. Like this is real stuff. So we do kind of nav. We talk about how do we navigate those things. Yeah, and as a front desk staff, if you guys have a front desk staff, like you know, you can't catch everything. You you can't know every athlete's life outside of the facility, but as much as you possibly can, mm-hmm. you know, having that internal network of of yeah. communication from front desk staff, mm-hmm. email. Who you maybe don't have a front desk staff. We yeah. didn't for a long time. But it's really, you know, using the tools and the resources available. We use Slack, actually. Yeah, we just got a Slack message last night saying, hey, we got a new member who just bought a house. Next time you see him, congratulate him. It's a big thing for him. Right. And so now I guarantee a coach is going to be like, so-and-so, like, so big. Like, and they know that that he's okay with that external kind of praise. Like, congratulations on buying your house and, like, a huge milestone. You must be feeling like a hundred bucks, a million bucks maybe, but... Yeah, probably like in million. California, it's probably more like a million <laughs> more bucks. bucks. <laughs> Ten bucks. hundred bucks. hundred bucks. We're talking about Oklahoma here. <laughs> so uh, so let's, let, let's kind of wrap this up because um, I hope what you, what, you know, Pin and I were talking about comes across like you have to be intelligent about movement mechanics and programming yeah. and the ph- physiology and the biology, right? I, I get that, right? And a lot of us in this in this field, especially this emerging, super bleeding edge of training, and I won't say environment, but it's really the industry is going, you're either an entertainer, trainer. Yeah. Right? Like the motivational Told, speech. Right. You're on, like SoulCycle taught me this the first time I went to SoulCycle. I was like, I just got preached. Like I came to church on a bike and I'm here for it, but it was not a good workout for me. I sweated, but like it was because they gave me a freaking motivational, inspiring speech. And I was like, wow, that's literally 80% of the brand right there for me. The experience was rooted in the communication of the coach. So that's mm-hmm. what we're saying is like an entertainer trainer. I was bringing in, yeah, bringing in the party yeah. in a sense, but not necessarily a great workout or well-rounded workout. You know, there's a lot of ways to do that. Or you have that movement master. Yeah. And that guru yeah. who like, man, they're looking at they're looking at the anterior tilt of your pelvis in correlation to the external rotation of your knee and how that's affecting your medicine ball throw. Yeah, and that's and, our kind of yeah. trainer, quite and honestly. And they're do, like doing massage therapy as your group training at the same time, you know, and that's yeah. kind of more like us to be honest with you. Yeah. But we understand yeah. that you can do both to a degree. They right? both take skill. They both take a lot of skill and practice. You, and if you've got to deliver like a, a 45 minute, like lift up your heart, lift up your eyes and see what's possible and, and pedal through your shit. Like if that's your style, I mean, you don't just wake up with the speech, like you refine it, you dial the music in, like it's a full experience and you can't have a dynamic workout and pull that off. You need people to just be so repetitive. They can turn their brain off. Is it the best workout for sure not. 
is it is the workout what they're really trying to go after? No, it's not. Right, and it's okay to have both of that. You know, again, there's certain there's certain companies that like the Soul Cycle. They bring the soul. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what they do, and they do a great job of it. I'll be flat out about it. Yeah, and there's some we both people enjoy it. Yeah, you know, there's some people who just bring the hardcore. You know, I'm just gonna go for it. And we we'll just use a, a class example of like a CrossFit. It's just gonna be hard workout. Mm-hmm. You go there to work hard. Mm-hmm. And then there's the alternatives and there's the other options. And we go to yoga and it's like a body you. image, body conscious, love and acceptance session. And it's right. super gentle movements. And it's also a form of an inspirational, motivational talk. Yeah. And in this industry of movement, there's like a 31 flavors of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. There's a mm-hmm. lot of options. So what we're, we're proposing for those who are in the kind of the movement fitness I want to use the word boot, boot camp, but that kind of like, we're just a group training. Mm-hmm. This is where we can really shine and come through on a whole different level. Mm-hmm. Because again, I'm going to say it, the soul cycle, you're going to get preached at. You don't have an option. Yeah. You know? You have to listen. You got to listen. I mean, you, you got to be there. You're stuck there. Yeah, you're, you're stuck. You're locked into the bike. And in Bikram Yoga, they won't let you out of <laughs> the, the place. The door's like, locked. Good luck. If you pass out, we'll, we'll get you at the end. Like it's a whole different yeah. thing. So it's really being that being that master of both IQ and EQ and yeah, and that's that's yeah. where the MDMC course really comes in strong and where we felt super passionate about it. Yeah. Is that we want you to have that skill set and to know that there's so many tools out there. A yeah. lot of them are technology based. Yeah. And why can't we have this convergence of technologies come into the movement space? Yeah. Because as our human as our knowledge of the human body has dramatically increased, dramatically increased. We need to follow that trend line, understand how we can use technology, computer technology, and how we can understand mental. Because how many how many life coaches are out there now? And I'm not saying that in a, in a bad way. How many so people long. are understanding that mindset is yeah. so critical? And if you're a coach and you realize that the body is connected to the mind and the mm-hmm. mind is connected to that soul, that spirit of theirs, and if you can influence all of them, yeah, really, the intelligence of somebody, the personality of somebody, the physicality of somebody, and that all equals equals the spirit, soul, community side of things. Mm-hmm. And our big comment is, you're going to come in here, and we're going to go after your physical. That's mm-hmm. our focus. Knowing that mm-hmm. we can tap into the mental, mm-hmm. and knowing that those two change the soul. Well, because we... Or influence. Well, where we are right now in society is there's still, I think it's shifting, but there's still some shame around admitting that you need professional help to go th- to sort through the hangups, the darkness, and like the shadow side. And we don't accept that, but we're far more willing to write a check to get our body to push through some of those feelings and get into the a euphoric state. And that's what we understand. But so often when people come into fitness, especially if you're not a performance facility working with specific high-level athletes or you're actually training a team of athletes for competition, but you're talking about general population training, most of the time they're coming in for mind and soul relief. Mm-hmm. And True. it's actually not their physicality no. that's the thing. Because if they say, I want to be sh- I want to be in a perfect bikini body by summer, what's behind that? Why? Self-love, self-acceptance, yeah. um, the, the, the attachment to food and these habits and the shaming and the diet culture and the starve yourself so you can earn your food. Like there's so much going on right there that has nothing to do with your body. You know, and I'm kind of bummed I said this at the end of the podcast, but like our trainer job is to move physics. That's the least important thing. Yeah. I, I wish I would have said that in the beginning. That's the least important thing. But that's yeah. what we spend all this time on emphasizing. We do too. Yeah. The biomechanics of it all. It's the least important thing. 
I mean, it's important, but here's what's well, ironic. I mean, so of course it's important, but that's not why they're there. Yeah. And what's most ironic to me in the fitness industry or, or really any, any profession that feels technically like they have to prove their worth. And I think that the, the credibility is like in your intelligence. I want you to think about the last time somebody, um, corrected you on Instagram and came at you with research logic and was in your face, throwing things in your face. Did you like them? Did you respond well? Was it a was it a good moment? Mm-hmm. Or was it a slap you in the face? I have high IQ, but no one likes you. Mm-hmm. And like for me, it's like, okay, you've got people are so much more ready to pull out their wallet for movement science, for um, intelligent modifications for pain knowledge. Um, and that's really important. Like we understand that, but what you need to also be balancing that is just as much attention on cultivating and really understanding your sweet spot in communication and motivation and correction where you're really strong and where you're blind, you're flying blind in relationships. It's not knowing what you, it's not knowing what you don't yeah. know. Yeah. And, and- that's why our course has it in it. And yeah. I just want to say it flat out. If you've ever seen anything, yeah. anything about like, oh, this the kind of like woo-woo stuff, it's a big deal. It's and a really big deal. And want, it's only getting more. Yeah. And the world you, is becoming far more open to alter, alter, understanding the placebo effect, understanding the power their own mind has in creating success, motivation, and like wellness. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. Well, the pandemic has been, again, a bittersweet part of it. The sweet part yeah. of it is health yeah. and, and the dire of what happens without it. Yeah, or how mentally stressed people are. I mean, how many times people are binge eating because they're stressed or and there's just so much going on and you just look and, and you're like, it's not even about your physique, BMI, any of that. It's about your soul and your heart and like you're going through some pain right now. And what we get to deliver and serve up in fitness is really unique, but don't, we can't fool ourselves that it's just about how you look naked or, or even the functional movement that you want to do. It's more than that. Dives deeper. It's deeper. So if this podcast gave you anything, I hope it gives you this sense that there is the mental side of it and you're a practitioner of it, whether you like it or, or not. And I hope that you kind of do a self-check like we've we've done ourselves and say, yeah. what more can we offer? How can we get in a little deeper? And by all means, you know it, hairdressers and personal trainers, we're kind of the second tier of the mental health space, you know, besides those licensed you know, doctors and practitioners. And it doesn't mean that you have to go there, but I want you to be able to go there confidently yeah. because that's going to grow your practice. It's going to grow your yeah. business. It's going to have people connect to you. And your job is to make people feel better. Yeah. You know? And if people want to do it on a Pilates back. reformer, great. If they want to do it with an Olympic barber head, great. If they want to do it with a BOSU ball and a jump rope, great. If, you know, it doesn't matter. I really yeah. want to say that. It doesn't matter because they need to be in it for life. Yeah. But if you wanted to skill stack strategically, you would go into self-awareness and like really understand like your Yeah, unique. you have to start with yourself. Like start with you. Big really deal. explore where you shine. Um, and own it and step in with the confidence of that. And as you're building your skill set, you're anchoring to what you're really naturally good at. Then I do think you do need some science, biomechanics, and some 
some intelligence around movement that's going to even create more confidence for you. Because again, it comes back to when you know things, you respond with confidence and that assuredness that calms people, Mm -hmm. that creates trust. And then you definitely can't ignore the way you can create and motivate and inspire people to move better, feel into their bodies, get like really get to that next level. You have to be next level. And we can't trade on personality beyond that. Yeah. No, it's and what going to hit a limitation. Yeah, so to me, like as Michael talked about the movement master and the entertainer trainer, like look at that as, a, as ends of a spectrum. And there's sweet spots all over that spectrum, but likely more in the middle than on the far outreaching sides. Mm-hmm. If all you deliver is like a movement dialed personality less experience, hmm, you need to kind of come bring in some fun. Be excited bring for the in, opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bring in some motivation, really curate an experience. And understand that as you're skill building and stacking your skills, you're going to bias towards the newest information that you're learning. And we talk about this all the time. Like you guys talk about when you guys were as a team learning about the human body and you were like deep diving on the foot. Suddenly oh. every client Everyone's had got a, a foot, foot problem. problem. <laughs> because it's what you're processing. Right. That's what happens too is your skill building anytime. Like if you go hard into movement science, your shift in your service is likely to bias towards a, a more rigid, less human connection service. But you just want to pendulum that sucker back when you're ready to soft skill build and really understand human hearts and motivation. And when you can do that... The byproduct is your human relationships improve. Right. It's really fascinating. But like you you end up creating and curating the best of both worlds in a way that's a really blended pro like product that shows you as such a well-rounded human and you have that emotional intelligence and um, intelligence quotient. And you come at it from both sides and you've curated this very intentional experience that doesn't have to suffer from lack of movement science and doesn't have to suffer from human connection and uplifting hearts. Yeah, I, I dig it. And I kind of want to go for another hour on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> so for these, if you're curious about more about what we're kind of doing, again, uh, there's so many resources out there. Check out our YouTube channel, Gymnazo. Um, go there. There's, there's descriptions. There's links on just this topic of yeah. the mental side. We have a, a mini course just on the soft skills of it all. Yeah. And you can kind of do a sh- quick little deep dive in, into that. Message us, um, DM us, whatever the case is. We love this 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 whole um, concept in, in our coaching office. We, we talk about it a, a lot. Mm-hmm. And even our members that are listening, like we dive into this. Yeah. And it's because we realize that we are physical beings, we're, we're, we're mental beings, and we're soulful beings. And that's mm-hmm. not a scary topic. That's not a scary topic. It's just understanding that it is there. And if we can touch you the way that you need to be touched, and I mean that mentally and soulfully, then I think that's a big, big aspect that our industry has but doesn't fully know how to yield it in the powerful way that it can be. Yeah, like if you're doing it, it's because you're doing it by default or maybe you're unconsciously competent, which we talk about obviously in the corporate America world. like being consciously competent is what you want to get to. But there are people who have have results they don't even know how to explain. That also hurts their business because they can't replicate anything because they don't know the strategy that they have. Right. But so often we know in fitness people come to you for a beach body, but you know they need something else like mobility. It's the same thing when trainers come to us and say, how do you make us the best we could possibly be? And it's like, okay, 
we can give you all the knowledge in the world, but if you can't drop it in a way that people feel is a magnetic way to receive, like don't roll your eyes. That's what you need. You need some, you need some delivery. You're a natural communicator, but you know, you need more around that. It's got to be um, cultivated. And we've done it trainings on our team for years where it's like, what are we training on? I thought we were going to do like elbow mechanics or whatever, if that's even a thing. And it's like, no, 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 we're going to dive into the Enneagram. And it's like, what? But then it opens up all these conversations, all the self-awareness, like all this deep dive. And, and so much comes out of that where we've had multiple trainers come back and go, that was actually some of the most valuable content ever. And it just goes straight back to leadership training. Mm -hmm. Like if you're a trainer, you are a leader. And most of the time, you're leading groups of people that are more, um, that are maybe different demographic than you. You're younger than them, often cases. They're more professionally established than you. They probably earn more than you. There's a lot of intimidation. But you can step in and be that leader that commands respect. Mm -hmm. And when you do it with intention, you get CEOs of huge companies coming up to you and me or you're the business owner or you, if you are the business owner, congratulating you for your masterful communication and curating a critical experience for them. And that's when you know you've been strategic. Yeah. Dig it. Peyton, thanks for your time. <laughs> right back at you. Right on. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Hey, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed to the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. Relaunch this in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one -on -one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it, and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnazoedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.